Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. So let's get 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We're going to go through one, one verse of Scripture this morning. First, uh, 2 Timothy chapter number one, 1, verse number 12. The Bible says, For the which calls, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let's pray and get our hearts and minds settled and we will move on from there. Dear Lord, help us to learn from your word. Help me to tell the truth from your word. Help us all to be edified as saints. Lord, Help us to make application to our own personal lives. Help, help this message be a help. In Christ's name we do ask and pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, one of the reasons I think that more public professions of Christ are not made is because people have a made-up fear in their own mind that for some reason they can't come to the Lord. They can't come to... Christ, because if they made a profession, oh boy, why would God want to want to save me? Oh boy, I, I'd never be able to live the the Christian life is different than the life I'm living. Uh oh. And that fear stops them. They're convicted of sin. They see the gospel, but why don't they move forward? I believe some people don't move forward because they have a fear that for some reason God isn't going to want them. God can't keep them. God can't do anything with them. Ah, why get saved? We're going to talk about that this morning. This is why it's important that we have to really truly meditate upon who Christ is, what Christ did for us, and not allow fear to take over. Not allow fear to take over. And... I want to read, let's read this text again, verse number 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I want to persuade you this morning that you need not fear. The God that saved you is the God that can keep you. And people fall in love with authors. So anybody tells you or anybody tries to convince you or you hear that little voice in your head saying, oh, you? How are you going to live the Christian life? How are you going to be a Christian? How are you ever going to get saved? People fall in love with authors. Look at the big Harry Potter uh, phenomenon that swept America over the last decade. A bunch of junk, a bunch of witchcraft, made to look really, really nice to get kids into that kind of stuff. They love that author. That author signs millions and makes millions. 
Dr. Seuss. All kids love Dr. Seuss. They fall in love with that author. The creativity behind that. Curious, you know, Curious George. My friend told me once, he said, yeah, that we, there should be a new Curious George book. Um, uh, Curious George gets a spanking. The man in the yellow seat, suit. Or the man in the yellow suit goes to jail. <laughs> but people fall in love with authors. And when somebody makes fun of you, uh, you believe the Bible. Uh, why would you believe that Bible? You just simply tell them, look, I fell in love with the author. And you give them your testimony. Because number one, nobody can take away your testimony. And number two, when you fall in love with the author of the book, he'll guide you in all truth. He will. And until people fall in love with the author of this book, they're missing out. They're missing out. You'll know you can stand fast in him. You fall in love with the author of the Bible, you'll know that he will hold you up. Let's get over to John chapter 10. First point we're going to look at this morning is Christ is able to keep you. John chapter 10, verse number 27, the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Why in the world would you be afraid that God can't keep you? He told you right in his holy book that he would. A little boy, he asked his father, he says, Daddy, is, is Satan stronger than me? And the father said, yes, son. Satan is stronger than me. And the little boy then asked his daddy, he said, Daddy, is Satan stronger than you? Oh, yes, son. Satan is stronger than, than me. And then he said, Dad, is Satan stronger than Jesus? And his dad said, Oh, no, son. Satan is not stronger than Jesus. The child responds, Okay, Daddy, I'll not be afraid of him then. <laughs> We need to think, we need to have more childlike faith. We do. That's how a child would think. And that's what I want you to see this morning that Christ is your defense against the enemy. He is able to hold you up. And there is a calculated effort by the enemy, there's a calculated effort by all of this worldly garbage to get you to think you got something to be afraid of. But you don't. Christ will hold you up. He'll keep you. Paul says in, uh, in, in Timothy, he says, I know whom I have believed. I know it. There's no doubt in his mind. So how about you? How about me? Can we say like Paul says, I know whom I have believed. The same power, the same God that kept Paul is the same power and the same God that keep you and I. Christ is no respecter of persons when it comes to saving souls. Why would you think he's a respecter of keeping souls? He's going to keep you. He saves and he keeps all who trust in him. And second point is, why would anybody trust a God that can't keep them? 
I, I believe that brings doubt in. God can keep you. If not, the strong man might as well just trust in his strength to get him by. Ah, my, my good health will get me by. The rich man might as well just trust in his riches to get him by. Look, I'll just buy my way out of stuff. The wise man, the intellectual man, he might as well just trust in his own ability to, look, I'll just think through this problem. I'll work it out. I'll figure it out. I'll have, I'll have a solution. If only everybody could see Jesus Christ as the one that can keep them. It gives such a settling feeling. There was a painting that hung in a hospital and it wasn't a famous work of art and it wasn't a big talking piece at the hospital. But the background was a rough stone wall and the sky in the picture was very heavy and dull. In the foreground, there was a pale, sad-eyed, weary-looking girl who had fallen on a stone bench with a sick boy in her arms. Just in front of these two stood Christ, or at least the painter's rendering of what Christ looked like. We don't know what he looked like, but anyway, this painting showed a patient, long-suffering, loving Son of God. One of Christ's hands rested on the head of the sick boy, and his eyes were full of tenderness as he looked right into the eyes of that boy. And this picture seemed to captivate this sick boy just kind of soaking in Christ's love for him and care for him. And this is what hung in, the, in, in this hospital. One day, a wildly drugged out, delirious young teenage boy was brought in. And he was from the bad part of town. The only thing he ever knew of was two drunken parents. The only thing he's ever heard was cursing all day. The only life he's ever known was a life of hardship. That was his life. And he was about to end it until a policeman found him. And he ends up at the hospital. The hospital saved his life. The next morning, a kind nurse came in. She opened up the blinds of the hospital room to let in some sunlight. And she asked him if he needed anything. He said, no. But can you tell me about the painting? He wanted to know, who is the kind man standing there? And the nurse said, well, that is Christ. As she quietly prayed, she continued to explain to him who Christ was and what Christ did for him. The boy asked the nurse, do you believe in him? Yes, she said, I've had many a trials in my life. But since I've trusted in him, my life is blessed. The boy asked, does he love everybody? Even boys like me. She went on to share Christ with him and he trusted in the Savior. With confidence, knowing the town that he lived in couldn't sustain him. And that's not going to change for him. Most people, they're born into a lifestyle and it rarely changes. His cursing friends that he had couldn't sustain him. His drunken parents couldn't, couldn't sustain him. The life that he was living couldn't sustain him. 
The drugs that he was taking couldn't sustain him. But alas, there's a Savior that could. Because he's able. He's able. Let's go back to John chapter 10. And let's get verse number 28 again. The Bible says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Number two, Christ, I want you to get this this morning, He has a promise. And His promise is to keep you. God's Word should be the sufficient proof and it should be the sufficient authority that you need. You know what people do though? They get fixated on how they feel. And they conjure up things in their head based upon those feelings that most of the time could be the farthest thing from the truth. What does God's Word say? This is why it's so important to have your own daily Bible reading. Your own weekly, personal Bible study. Because you need to fall in love with the author. I need to fall in love with the author. Each individual Christian needs to fall in love with the author. So that we can know what God's Word says to help combat our feelings nothing wrong with feelings nothing wrong with emotions god gave them to us but how do you filter them we want our children to control their emotions right not fly off the handle how are you and i going to control our emotions god's word you wake up you feel one way monday ladies wake up they feel another way tuesday they wake up wednesday they feel another way Who's going to help them sort all that out? Not some, no husband's going to do that. <laughs> no, you're going to, they're going to have to read God's word for themselves and filter all that stuff out with God. Nobody has the answer like God does. Nobody can help you like God can help you. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Let's flip back there. Matthew chapter 8. During his earthly ministry, a lot of people marveled at what Christ did. But there was one guy who said something that made Christ marvel. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 6 will start out. And saying, Lord, my servant. Well, let's back up to verse 5. And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go and he goeth and to another come and he cometh and to my servant do this and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled <laughs> and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. We all have faith, 
when things are going our way. <laughs> we all have faith. Hallmark has faith every time there's a holiday that comes around, you know? It just gives you that good, fuzzy feeling inside. The centurion had faith. And that faith evidenced itself in a time of need. He tapped into trusting what Jesus can do. He was tapped into trusting who Jesus was. And in your time of need, in your time of storm, what are you tapping into? In your time of temptation, what are you tapping into? That made Jesus Christ, he said, wow, he marveled at that. Let's have faith like that centurion had faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We try to rank Christian movies every now and then and, and have a movie night. And uh, you never know what you're going to get because some of them are good and some of them are like, What's the point of this? <laughs> and we watched one last night, and it was so scattered-brained all over the place. It was one scene to another. You couldn't make any sense of what is even the plot of this. What is? It was not good. And that's kind of sometimes how our faith is. It's just all over the place. It's just it's just misplaced. Our emotions take over. Our feelings take over. Oh, what about this? What about that? Well, what about trusting what God says? Get in his book. He's got order. He has can help you take that confusion out. It's not like a B-rated movie. It isn't at all. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able to, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. you got to have faith. One, that God is faithful. That's what He said He is. Two, you're tempted. People say, I can't ever, I'll never be able to stop X, Y, or Z. And they're right. They, they won't. Not on their own strength. But who does the Bible say is faithful? God. What does He say He's going to provide? A way of escape. Is God lying to you or is He telling you the truth? He's telling you the truth. So the next time you want to do X, Y, or Z, not I can never stop doing X, Y, and Z, just the next time X, Y, or Z comes up, today or tomorrow or during the week, that time, just have faith in the one who says he is faithful that he'll provide you a way of escape. And take it. And trust him. Not you. And not your feelings. And then when it comes up again in two weeks or a month, then that time, trust the one who is faithful, take the way of escape, and will provide you the victory. Instead of saying, 
oh, I can never live for Christ. I'll always fall into X, Y, and Z. It's just my life's a mess and I can't. Well, it is, and all the stuff you said is kind of right and it's kind of true, but why don't you just take one thing at a time instead of lumping everything together and stressing yourself out in the process? Well, it's simpler. The hymn writer wrote, I hear thy welcome voice that calls me Lord to thee for cleansing in thy precious blood that flowed on Calvary through coming weak and vile. Though dost my strength assure, thou dost my vileness fully cleanse till spotless all impure. Tis Jesus who confirms the blessed work within by adding grace to welcomed grace where reign the power of sin. And he the witness gives to loyal hearts and free that every promise is fulfilled in faith, but brings the plea. All hail, redeeming blood. All hail, life-giving grace. All hail, the gift of Christ our Lord, our strength and righteousness. I am coming, Lord, coming now to thee. Wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flowed on Calvary. God promised to sustain and keep us is the only real proof against danger. We need to trust in Him because in a fight, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be tougher than you and be able to defeat you. There really aren't too many undefeated fighters because there's always somebody that can train to beat you. How do you do that? You watch film on them, you figure out where their strengths are, and you find one little hole in their game. And that little hole is what you work on. There was a guy, now I can't do this today, I won't even try to, but it's fun to go back and think about it. He beat 155 pound lightweight class, he beat every advanced player in around. Boom, tournament after tournament, you'd see his name first place. Nobody could beat him. I found a hole in this game. I went out and trained for 10 days with someone who was an expert in this area. I came back. I ended up beating him because I found a hole in his game. And I knew if I tried to beat him the way that other guys beat him, I would not win. So instead of playing into that game, I changed it up. And the coaching and the training and the instruction that I had put a game plan together to defeat, to exploit that. For the next couple of years, people wanted me to have a rematch. I didn't want to have the rematch for a couple of things. One, I was trying to stay focused on, you know, business in my academy, my family, and I knew the time and effort and, and, and all of that that goes into training for a fight. Plus the fact that I didn't think I could beat him again, <laughs> which I didn't because <laughs> he was good. So I was like, I got my one, I'm done. <laughs> um, but look, because now he's got my weakness. He can go back and exploit based on what I did. And so, you know, this is one of the reasons why rematches make sell more tickets, and then why it now so and if, and if each has one win, 
this is why that third fight is like, man, it should be a hot seller. So that's what the community, that's what they're promoting, that's what they kind of all want. Let the other guy get one, then we got a third one. You can't trust in yourself. There eventually is going to be somebody that can defeat you. Now, there's a lot of people that can defeat, defeat you as you get older. And you know what? In a gunfight, eventually, somebody's going to design a bullet that's going to be able to penetrate your bulletproof vest. And they're going to beat you. And guess what? In war, someone's going to develop a tank that can get through your wall. Whether the Mexicans build it or not, they're going to, somebody is going to get, they're going to design something to get through your wall. Because you know what? As soon as Trump builds the wall, someone's going to build a ladder. And as soon as Trump builds the wall, someone's going to build a tunnel. And there, nothing is 100% foolproof. Well, except God. And that is who we put our trust in. He's the only one that we can take refuge in and know we cannot be defeated. He has the promise that he will keep us and he will sustain us. No training regimen can make that claim. No gunfight, no war, no battle, uh, artillery or tank or weaponry can make that claim. There's always something that can defeat you. Not with God. Because no one's beaten God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. If you had a huge fire, do you know how much money people pay for safes that are fireproof? And gun safes that are fireproof? I was looking at safes one time. I'm like, who pays this much money? Apparently a lot of people do. And, you know, they advertise it. You know, the whole world could blow up and your safe will be standing there. And, you know, you won't be, but your safe will be. Your house burns down, the whole thing just... And what's left standing is your safe. And you can go and walk through the ashes, open it up, and all of your belongings are safe and secure. That's Jesus Christ. That's you and Him. Nobody can touch you. He will keep you. He will sustain you amongst the most difficult trials of this life. That's you in Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The Bible says, whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You may not be safe at home. You may not be safe at the streets. You may not be able to go out at night without feeling unsafe. But hey, in Christ, you are safe. You see why we need to get people to the Savior? He's the only one that can keep them. Next point is, we have to turn from ourselves because we're weak. We have to turn from our own weakness. We have to turn to Christ and trust in his strengths. I'll give you a surefire way to get depressed. Look within. <laughs> You'll be in despair in about two weeks. You keep looking within and trying to find all the answers out yourself. And there's the, there's the solution for despair. 
How do you get out of it? Well, you don't need to medicate somebody. Now, the disclaimer preachers are supposed to give is that, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not telling you to, to flush all your medical prescriptions down the toilet because there's some things that people legitimately need medical treatment for. But generally speaking, how to get out of depression is, is to get off yourself and stop meditating on you and all your... Get into God's Word. Get with a Christian brother or sister in Christ. Start being richly blessed that way. Great problem. People hear the Gospel, but they don't look beyond themselves. They're convicted on sin, but they don't step forward and trust Christ. Instead, they believe the voice inside where they believe what the devil says. If Jesus accepts a sinner like you, you'll never make anything of it. You're so weak, you can never walk the Christian life. You think Christ is going to accept you knowing all that you've done? You can't listen to that voice. D.L. Moody, they say that he was talking with a man and the man says to D.L. Moody, he says, I want to be a Christian, but I cannot believe. So Moody said, believe what? Well, I cannot believe, said the man. Believe whom, said Moody. Well, I cannot believe in myself, said the man. Well, thank the Lord, said Moody, for if you did, it would not save you. People put stuff in their head. It's up to the witness to be able to get that stuff out of their head and point them to God's word for some truth. Here's what you answer. That voice inside, your feelings take over, someone's trying to mock. Whatever it is, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's your answer back. Wave the answer back to heaven. That's what the hymn says. That's the answer back. He is faithful. Just stand in submissiveness and say, yep, devil, you're right, but he is faithful and just. He is just. He forgives. He cleanses. And I'm not trusting in anything else. Look and live. Look and live. Don't look within. Don't look into your own heart. Don't look around at others. Look up to God, look to Him, and you'll live. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 1.18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You cannot start out the Christian life thinking, I'm afraid I cannot live up to the standards of the Christian life. Because you're sunk. And you'd be a fool to think that you can do it on your own power. The drunkard who trusts Christ and pledges he will never drink again. The only problem is the next week he does drink again. So what does he think? He thinks he's not saved. So here's what you should do with a guy like that. Put him in a put him in a stagecoach or put him in a, a horse and buggy and put him in there with a man that is really good at controlling horses and 
then put him on a steep decline and tell that man to take the reins. And it won't be long, if you're not trained on how to control horses, that that thing will be completely out of control. And he's going to be going. And eventually, what is that man going to do? The stronger man, the more experienced man that's sitting right next to him. You know what he's going to do? Here, you take the reins. And he brings him right into control. And then you look over to that drunk and you say, why don't you just do the same thing with Jesus Christ? Instead of you trying to do it on your will, why don't you just trust Him to keep you and hand the reins over to Him? But too many Christians want to get saved and too many Christians are saved, but they're afraid to give the reins of their life over to Christ. They say He's their Lord. They've trusted in Him for eternal salvation. They're not trusting in anything else. But why is life so hard? Because they want to control the reins. And when life gets out of control, instead of holding on to the reins, give them to the one who can control them. And let Jesus Christ be the one who controls your life. You trust in your own ability to, to overcome your weakness, you never will. <clears throat> If you're walking along with your little daughter and uh, you're trying to take her out, it's an icy area, and you got to walk from the garage to the car, you say, Here, take my hand. No, Daddy, I'll walk on my own. Thank you very much. And she falls. Here, take my hand. Let me help you, honey. No, Daddy, I don't want to take your hand. Let me take your finger. So she reaches up. She grabs the finger, but it's not enough. Because she slips and she falls again. Honey, no... Take my hand. She reaches, she misses, and she slips again. And finally, the father reaches down. And the only way for her to get up is to do what she was asked to do. Instead of trying to do what she wants to do and to just hold on to the hand. And then she says, Daddy, can you lift me up? She stopped trusting and being willful. And she just put her trust in someone that can help her. And that's what we have to be able to do to live this Christian life. You know who you're persuaded. You know that he can sustain you and keep you. Trust in what he did for you. And trust in his grip. Be in His grip. And life will be a whole lot easier. Alright, let's bow and pray. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. It's a blessing we can be here and meet. We thank You for this building. We ask You to dismiss us. Help us to be able to make some application to our life this week. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.